Hello, everyone. I am sure it has occurred to you as you read program notes or perhaps just programs of musical performances that some composers have a letter after their compositions, such as K or D or... What is this all about? It's a very interesting subject that has to do with cataloging the works of the great composers. And today, I would like to have us share a program entitled The Catalog Criteria. Just what is it that is necessary to do cataloging? Why is it done? When is it done? What does it contain? The Catalog Criteria. It ought to be interesting. Let's begin with Schubert and two excerpts from his incidental music to Rosamunde. I'll tell you about the music after we hear it. This is known by the letter D, and specifically D-797. All of this, more about later. Let's listen to it first.
lovely music, pastoral music. In effect, this is part of the incidental score which Schubert wrote to a drama by a lady by the name of Wilhelmine von Cezzi. She was involved in Oriente by Weber as well. Now, sorry to report that the play itself was compounded of a good deal of impossible situations, confusions, and it lasted only two nights. Ah, but the music lasts and lasts. You heard some shepherd melodies and then the shepherd chorus from the Rosamunde incidental score by Schubert. Now, this is D-797. Musicians know that's the way we, re we refer to it. What's, what does the D stand for? There's a gentleman by the name of Otto Erich Deutsch, who died in Vienna as recently as 1967. He was a musical scholar and art critic, studied in Vienna and Graz, wrote a wonderful book on Schubert, and worked at the Vienna University Art History Library, did many, many outstanding things, and the most outstanding that he is known for is his listing of all Schubert works. In other words, the English edition of the thematic catalog came out in 1951, was revised by others in 1978, and it gives all the Schubert works D numbers. D meaning Deutsch, the compiler of it all. This is what we need to know about D. But what we need to know about cataloging goes far further than that. For instance, we know that thematic catalogs of music were published first by Breitkopf, the publisher, between 1762 and 1787. But these were confined to instrumental works by various composers which were on sale at Leipzig in manuscript. And lists of works devoted to single composers supplied with themes or insipids, the opening bars, were not published, not nor the term used before the 19th century. And even though Mozart kept such a catalog from 1784 onwards, before that he didn't bother, and of Haydn's works, there are quite a few of them compiled during his lifetime. Mozart's catalog will come to later, so will we to Haydn's. Right now, we talk about the Schubert catalog, and I have no chronological order in mind. But now, let's go for a moment to Bach. And here, we find a number usually attached to the music, which is, or I should say letters, B... W, V. I'll explain that after we listen to a very, very well-known and well-loved melody, which happens to come from D B W V, ten sixty-six to ten sixty-nine. Does that mean anything to anybody except musicians? I dare say many of us don't even know it. You'll recognize the music.
one of the best-loved melodies that Bach wrote. It's the famous air. It's known as the air on the G-string, but he didn't write it really that way. That was Wilhelmi, a violinist, who attached that name to it later on. This is the air from the suite, or overture, often called, number three. There are four of them, by Bach, and it is known as BWV 1068. Now, who really cares about that? You may say, what, what's the big idea? All right, so it has a number and the letters. Well, musicians care, and I think audiences want to know when they see. What does it mean, BWV? has nothing to do with a BW, <laughs> the famous German car. No, BWV is known as, in, in German, spelling Bachwerke Verzeichnis, the index to Bach's works. And the initials preceding numbers, which indicate the catalog numbers of Bach's works in the thematic index, were compiled by a gentleman, and edited also, by the name of Wolfgang Schmieder, S-C-H-M-I-E-D-E-R, 1950 this happened, it now accepted as standard means of numbering his works. Mr. Schmieder certainly has succeeded in establishing a definitive order of all of the Bach works. I should perhaps add here that Schmieder was born in 1901, to be exact, was head of the music division of the Frankfurt State Library, and he compiled a thematic catalog of Bach's music, as I say, in 1950, and that provides the standard method of numbering his work today. So some of these things are of rather recent vintage, and how they help musicians and music lovers with composers who were so prolific that without numbers we would not know what we're talking about when we want to single out one specific work. A program entitled today, The Catalog Criteria. Next, we go to Beethoven, and all we know is, and that's enough to know, that what we're going to hear is the first movement of his first sonata, big sonata, opus 2, number 1. We know that it is the work, number 2, and among that, there are three sonatas. So it's Opus 2, number 1, 2, 3. This is Opus 2, number 1.
Opus 1, Opus 2, I should say, number 1, the first movement of the first large sonata by Beethoven. And this particular work played and sung, if you listen carefully, <laughs> by Alfred Brendel. Do we need to know any more than Opus 2, number 1? Well, we do. And the gentleman in this instance who is responsible for the cataloging is a person by the name of Kinski, Georg Kinski. Now, who was Kinski? Let's take a quick look here and find out, excuse me, find out that here too was a scholar at work who did things which had originally been done by somebody else, but the catalog was by him. There are two catalogs, at least, that exist here. Kinski, he died in Berlin in 1951, a German musicologist. He was a teacher at Cologne University, and he prepared a catalog of Beethoven's works, which was completed after his death by Hans Halm in 1955. Oh, but before that time, there was a collector of all the works of Beethoven, and he had a name that is rather unforgettable. His name was Nottebohm, N-O-T-T-E-B-O-H-M, Marty Nottebohm. He, too, was German, obviously, a composer, a musicologist, studied in Berlin, Leipzig, had some lessons from Schumann, Mendelssohn, settled in Vienna, and not only valuable research into Beethoven's own sketchbooks, but also published a thematic catalog of works of Beethoven as early as 1868. Beethoven died in 1827. So you see, this is really a very, very important work that these men have rendered to the longevity of the music. While I got out my catalog, I made some noises here. What does it say? What does Mr. Kinski have to say, for instance? What does any, any catalog say? First of all, there's the beginning notes of each movement, in this instance, of all three sonatas, which, which make up uh, Opus 1. The first item is, when was it written? Well, it was written between 1793 and 94. Then, what about the manuscript? It's lost. What about the first edition? All about that. What about the first announcement of these compositions? Who published it? What were the subtitles? All of this in great detail. This is a scholarly work without some musicians could not be. Well, that, I'm, I'm saying that not in a critical way. Personally, I think this is a Trojan job for which we have to be thankful. So the criterion of cataloging is, first of all, studying everything that's been published by these composers and everything that hasn't been published. You can imagine that takes a lifetime to do. Speaking of a lifetime to do these catalogs, let's turn to Haydn. Well, Haydn's work has been catalogued by Anthony Hoboken, Anthony van Hoboken. He was a Dutchman born in Rotterdam in 1887, died in Zurich in 1983. He was 96 years of age, and most of it 
it took most of that time to catalog all of Haydn. Think, 104 symphonies and, and what, 82 string quartets and 52 sonatas. You've got to be blessed with longevity to work with that. He was a Dutch musicologist, and in 1927, he founded the Vienna National Archive of Photographs of Musical Manuscripts. And he then compiled the definitive catalog of Haydn's works, the first volume appearing in 1957. The works are given H-O-B numbers. I said H-O-B numbers followed by Roman numerals and Arabic figures. So what we're going to hear now is a magnificent work which is far too rarely performed. It's the Sinfonia Concertante for solo instruments, namely violin, cello, oboe, and bassoon with orchestra. And we hear the last movement, Piano Philharmonic, Leonard Bernstein. Keep in mind now, this is H.O.B., first volume, number 105.
the last movement of the very colorful Sinfonia Concertante by Haydn for various solo instruments and orchestra, the instruments being violin, cello, oboe, and bassoon. And these were performed by Brian Kirchel, violin, Franz Bartolome, cello, Walter Lehmeyer, oboe, and Michael Verba, bassoon, with the Vienna Philharmonic Veteran Bernstein. This is known as Hoboken, first volume, number 105, and it's spelt H-O-B, usually. Hoboken, I'm sure Mr. Hoboken never knew of the town in New Jersey named after him. (laughs) This program is entitled The Catalog Criteria. Up until fairly recently, music historians and bibliographers and performers have long been surprised that there is no thematic catalog for Johannes Brahms, equivalent to those that we've talked about, Bach, Beethoven, Schubert, Haydn. It was in 1956, 65 I should say, that Donald M. McCorkle, capital M-C-C-O-R-K-L-E, set out to test the often repeated myth that Brahms had virtually obliterated the traces of his compositional process by destroying most of the evidence. And the little which had escaped the destruction was undeserving of study. After, surely this is not true, and Mr. McCorkle has, has proven it. Unfortunately, he died in the process of cataloging, and the work was continued by colleagues 
and by his wife, Margit McCorkle, at the University of British Columbia in Vancouver. And so we now have a catalog. Up until this time, as I mentioned, Brahms' works were simply known by opus numbers, which is good enough if you know what you're doing, if you know how to look and how they fit these catalog numbers into the chronological evolution of the work of Brahms. I'm going to bring you a beautiful composition known as a Stilled Longing, Gestilte Sehnsucht, which Brahms set for mezzo-soprano, actively contralto, and viola and piano. Now, we have no McCorkle listing for this, but we know it is now available if we but consult the catalog.
A beautiful song by Brahms, Gestilte Sehnsucht, a pieced yearning, you can translate it, with text by Friedrich Rückert. This is set for contralto or mezzo-soprano, viola, and piano. And the artists here were Anne-Sophie von Otter, the singer, a gentleman by the name of Bengt. Oh, boy, that's quite a name for a, <laughs> for, for a musician. To bang in German means to hit hard. And the pianist was uh, Forsberg. In this program, we have talked about various composers who have been catalogued, not quite as well-known catalogued, I should say, as famously catalogued as Mozart. As you know, we owe it to Kirtl. The K number always means Kirtl, that we have all of Mozart's compositions catalogued. That must have been some task. He himself, Mozart, kept book of what he wrote from a rather late date on, what he wrote up until he was in his 20s. We're not entirely sure whether this was uh, ever kept correctly. It was Kirtle. His full name was Ludwig Alois Friedrich Ritter von Kirtle, who lived from 1800 to 1877, an Austrian musical bibliographer, an imperial council, and he developed years of his retirement to the pursuit of studies in botany, in mineralogy, and music. He was a busy gentleman. But his most important publication, the chronological thematic listing of all of Mozart's compositions. And they were first published, this listing was first published in 1962, then 1862, I should say. Then there was a second edition in 1905, and the most famous we have today, edited by Alfred Einstein, a great musicologist of our time, in 1937, and then a reissue in 1947. We're going to hear a beautiful concerto, this one for two pianos, two pianos and orchestra, and this, I have a very, very great joy to bring you this one, because the, the performers, this was a rare, rare inspiration for somebody to, to transfer this to CD. The performers are Robert and Gabi Casatsu for the Philadelphia Orchestra, Eugene Ormandy conducting. This is Kirschel 365, the concerto for two pianos and orchestra. We hear the last movement.
last movement of Kirschel 365, the piano concerto for two pianos. And this performed by Robert and Gabi Kazatsu, Mr. and Mrs. Kazatsu, the Philadelphia Orchestra, Eugene Ormandy. Brings to a close a program entitled The Catalog Criteria. Well, there are many of them. As you can tell, you have to know the literature. And so we had Schmieder with Bach. We had Kinski and Nutterbaum with Beethoven. We had McCorka with Brahms. We had Deutsch with Schubert. We had Kirschel with Mozart. And in the case of Schmieder, we don't even use his name. We use BWV, which means Bach Werke Verzeichnis, the Bach Works Listing. It's an immense task for anyone, but it's equally forever a wonderful reference for any serious musician. I hope you found this interesting. This is Carl Haas. <laughs>